Good evening. I am global socialite and correspondent for the Super Show, Bella Deladon. And this is the Super Show, Super Story Series. Tonight we visit the heights and hear a tale of the forming of organized crime and the destructive impact it has brought to the entire population. Skillfully narrated by the incomparable Lord Macadel Barry Terrycloth III. Pour yourself a libation, sit back relax, and join us on our journey. Through breathtaking fantasy and adventure. Without further ado, let the story begin again. Organized crime in the Heights is defined as specifically men of Italian descent, but not limited to only Italian membership. Several thousand Italian countrymen were left to die in the Heights during the barge runs, leaving behind a large Italian population of criminals who still practiced the Sicilian Camorra, with an almost religious commitment to its traditions and ceremonies of brotherhood. The Mafia, as it is called in America, was a secret society the Sicilians brought with them from the prisons and criminal underbelly of Sicily. The Heights by nature are not a place that rewards crime partnerships, so criminal unions are rare. However, the Italians had formed these bonds centuries before, and the secrets and traditions of the Brotherhood were second nature. Questo affari or this business which is its direct translation in English, is the true name of the secret society of Italian noblemen. The term the Mafia is rarely used in the Heights, and when it is it is universally a derogatory term. Never call a member of Questo affari a mafioso, he'll probably kill you on the spot. At the turn of the century, there were only fragmented groups of Quisto Afari, mostly looked upon as bands of thieves, more than a powerful crime unit. That changed with the eruption of the Smugglers' War, an uprising of criminals against the quadruple taxes the governing system began imposing on the raw materials used to make liquor. For nearly 20 years more than half of the Heights population was involved in some form of smuggling, whether it be in the raw materials, harboring of brewers, or transporting of actual product, smuggling became the number one occupation in the country. To this day, smuggling is still the most lucrative criminal enterprise in the Heights. At that time however, Cristo Afari, had little money or power and the smuggling trade was dominated by Irish gangs, most notably Monster McNamara, and his hated rival, Gunnar O'Banion, the great-grandfather of Warfield crime boss, Butch O'Banion. The Italians were tenacious, hard workers who excelled in service industry fields, which allowed them to amass connections in every parish. Enterprising and resourceful, the Italians drove trucks and delivered laundry which gave them unassuming means of smuggling that would go undetected for years. The first notable Italian gangster was a five-foot-tall, what-of-hate-named Alphonse, Little Al Alorio. Alorio and his brother Lefty, ran booze for McNamara's crew, and were very successful. Lefty was one of the best wheel runners in the heights and soon the brothers were known for their cunning and tactics and quickly the rumor spread that the brothers had never been caught smuggling contraband. Not to be outdone, and seeing his profits dwindle away, the equally violent gunner O'Banion began hijacking McNamara's trucks and killing his soldiers. 
Blood soaked the streets for almost two years as war was waged, before the sheer loss of almost everyone involved brought an end to the carnage. All those dead bodies and still no clear winner. Throughout the war, Little Al made alliances in every community he smuggled through. Known as tough, but loyal, he built an army of foot soldiers through payoffs, favors and liquor. Lots of liquor. On a rainy Thursday morning, Lefty was heading to Brownsville smuggling 40 caliber wig splitter compacts. Gunner's goons peppered the truck with machine gun fire and the truck wrapped around a tree. Lefty was killed instantly, yet still his body was riddled with bullets in a brutal show of disrespect. This was business, O'Banion made it personal. Little Al was furious over his brother's murder and swore revenge. Little Al called a meeting with Monster and his lieutenants Emil Brown and Shark Milner. The four, plus bodyguards were eating elephant steak and green potatoes in the backroom of Gulliver's, a famous gangster eatery. Halfway through the main course, in walks the Chief of Officers Sam Beaumont and the Workers' Union President Bruce Clemens. Sam Beaumont immediately arrests Little Al for a ludicrous citation, while Monster laughs with his goons, just glad they left him be. As Little Al was ushered out of the building, several officers barged in and shot down all in the room. It was the only time in Height's history an act of that kind was committed by officers of the law. This show of force illustrated Little Al's power and corruptible reach. The officer's story was a bust gone wrong. No one really cared, or questioned it. Several gangsters dead looked good for Sam Beaumont's public image and he would later run for, and win a Senate seat in Warfield. Little Al had promised a slice of the profits and his public approval of the union to Bruce Clemens, which was invaluable because Little Al was so feared, he held the Italian worker in his clenched fist. If he said no one goes to work, then no one goes to work. He had the power to shut down the entire Italian workforce which made up the core of the unions. In return for Little Al's fealty, he demanded the deaths of Monster McNamara, and all of the O'Banions. The latter, he intended to handle personally. McNamara had been good to little Al's crew, always paying them their worth. So ordering his death wasn't personal, as Al would later state, it was merely an opportune time to get rid of two threats to Al's future plans at once. In those days, in most townships in the Heights the Irish were feared and hated by Italians because most Irish were physically bigger, and would beat the smaller Italians and take their push carts. When little Al, a small man by any standards, fought back and beat the hulking Irish gangsters, he became endeared and respected. His Italian brethren seemed to look past the fact that he robbed and pillaged his own communities too. For weeks after the McNamara murders Gunner would not step foot outside or conduct business in the daylight. Joe Calico handled day to day, until Slate Blade impaled him with a spear through the heart. Gunner's and Oliver, a master at detecting and defusing car bombs, made collection pickups. On the 5th of April, while leaving the market, 
Gunnar's wife Fern, a fiery woman who refused to stay in hiding, and her bodyguards were shot to death with 45 caliber gunfire for nearly two minutes from a passing van. It took over 20 minutes to sweep up the shell casings. Gunnar was given pieces of his wife's clothes, her purse and the heel of a shoe as there was literally nothing else to bury. All three bodies were pulp when the officers arrived. Emotional and distraught. Gunnar decided to attend his wife's memorial service as a show of respect to the O'Banion family name. During the ceremony Slate Blade, brought in from Cedarwood, with a flair for the dramatic, popped from the casket and gunned down Gunnar O'Banion, and most of his immediate family. This is the reason all O'Banion family deaths are memorialized at Fernhaven, the O'Banion family home named in honor of Butch's fallen great-grandmother. The streets cowered in fear and little Al's rep was solidified after that. Lil Al eventually tracked down Slate Blade and killed him with a nitrous bomb to tie up any loose ends. On the 8th of May, Lil Al called together the biggest Italian gangs and gave the eager soldiers new rules. That meeting stands in history as the official founding of the Quisto Afari. Little Al organized the unions, paid everyone well and in the dark of night profited from brothels, gambling dens and drug houses. With the deaths of the two biggest bootleggers in the Heights, Little Al gave the bootlegging business to Raymond Capano, a mean-spirited Blacksican from Warfield. Little Al single-handedly stopped the smugglers' war by refusing to let any Italian participate in the illegal trade of liquor without the penalty of death. One of Little Al's most trusted aides was a frail but wily pickpocket from Pacific Metro named Torrio Carlianis. Torrio was a tough soldier who respected Little Al, and Cristo Afari prospered for the next 20 years through Little Al's leadership and Torrio's muscle. Over the years, although he was the most powerful criminal in the Heights, Little Al insisted on participating in low-level robberies and being hands-on with contract hits. He became paranoid he wouldn't get his cut without someone skimming off his take. That lack of common sense got him arrested several times and also made Torrio start to think it might be time to make his own moves. Progressively, little Al began losing control, repeating himself and grinding his teeth. He was fighting the latter stages of trench disorder, a terminal psychosis brought on by exposure to hyperviolence. Torrio took his chance and had Raymond Capano toss little Al out of Al's fifth-story window to the concrete below. Torrio immediately overran the gangs and sought to organize the factions into one unified group, as he had seen little Al try to do. He had only one good candidate for top boss, as he felt only he could keep peace therefore only he should be the top man. Torrio was an aggressive, arrogant and violent man who possessed an uncanny knack for making money, and that skill forced all to respect his word and fear his wrath. After killing Little Al, Torrio took over all of the rackets and demanded Little Al's faithful follow him, or learn to fly. Fifi Bandini was Al's most loyal soldier and refused to follow Torrio, whom he hated from their days of strike-breaking on different sides of the conflict. 
Fifi took 50 soldiers loyal to Al and moved to the north side and began making loads of money, which made Torio appear soft and caused the remaining little Al faithful to question if they too could resist Kalyanis. Torio ruled with an iron fist and such insubordination would not be tolerated. Torio turned the streets against Fifi. Torio warned the underworld, anyone who buys booze, women or protection from Fifi's gang will be murdered and their families forced to watch. Fifi was a brute and unstable, but Torio had not only killed the most powerful mob boss in the heights at that time, but he commanded an army of 1,000 soldiers. In a matter of days, there were only five of Fifi's men still alive and Fifi himself was tied up in the cellar of Cecilia's farm. He was snatched off the street by Raymond Capano after a lengthy shootout. While Torio and his bodyguard drove to the farm, Fifi broke free through sheer will to live and escaped with his life. Injured and on the run, he survived in the forest for eight days on creek water and moss. Torio ordered every one of Fifi's businesses burned to the ground and at one point, even steered a truck bomb through Fifi's downtown warehouse. Fifi was never afraid of violence, once killing three men in a fight with a broken arm, but for the first time in his life, he was afraid. He was unable to sleep or eat and he was losing weight. There were rumored sightings of him dashing naked in the forest, howling like an animal then skittering away. Thinking if Torio thought he had went mad, perhaps he would leave him be. Finally after hearing of the gruesome death of his only son, Fiore, Fifi cracked and resurfaced from the forest and begged Torio not to kill him. Torio bashed his face in with a table leg. Torio sent a message and all other gangs got it, if you cross the Kalyanis family, you will die. Soon, Torio was coronated as the boss don or boss of bosses. With no further naysayers alive. His lifelong ally Ray Capano retired and his son Archie took over the smuggling and bootleg rackets. Anthony, Tony Batters Biaze was one of Fifi's five soldiers that lived and had become a top earner. Amassing a crew of real arm breakers who would handle loan sharking and contract hits. Torio had been ill for a while, weakened from the prolonged effects of trench disorder, but he wanted to ensure his criminal legacy. From his hospital bed he called the most infamous meeting in the criminal history of the Heights. Torio entertained the top crime talent as they ate grey seal and carrots, a delicacy in the Heights. At his beach house in Basilia, for the Greece Treaty. Greece is another term for bootleg liquor and in the words of Torio Carlianis. Liquor greases the wheels of progress and gets things done. He laid out his idea for a true, shared control system, well organized and omnipowerful. The organization would only answer to itself. He said there will be one absolute top man, whom he called overboss, but the power and profits would be equally shared between all the families. He called his idea Quisto Affari in Italian, or this business in English. In time even that evolved into the Immobilati which means the Brotherhood. Most old liners still call it Quisto Affari, 
but most of the younger gangsters refer to the organization as the Immobilati. Torio decreed that the Carliani's family would handle loan sharking, political shakedowns, and payoffs to the officers. Batters Biaze would handle contract murders and enforcement. Archie and his goons would control bootlegging, smuggling and warehousing. Another slug, handpicked by Torrio to run a family was Patty DiCavio. A vicious murderer under Torrio since before the smugglers war. Patty would handle black market work and fencing stolen goods. The last coon to be given a family was the dim-witted, but unbreakable Dino de Hone, a hulking, half-Italian half-Spanish criminal, who was Torrio's best killer during the war with Fifi. The Carliani's family controls most crime in Pacific Metro, the DiCavio family runs high-tech pawn shops in Brownsville, the Biazze family runs the rackets in Kelowna, the Capanos terrorize Warfield, and the surrounding townships and the Dahones family run multiple riverboat gambling operations throughout the heights. These five families founded Quisto Afari and their clandestine criminal enterprise has grown and taken over the heights underworld. There are several other gangs, including the frightening new young Italian gangsters the Della Dons, many crooks and villains but no one unit wields the power of Quisto Afari. This has been the Super Shows, Super Story Series. I have been, Lord Macadel Barry Terrycloth III. And from everyone at the Super Show, we bid you, a smashingly proper, good day and good night.